Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. I'm Mike A. Race, joined by uh, Bailey Johnson, our fine crew beat writer. Kyle's in a meeting. We hope he can join us at some point. And of course, at the controls, per usual, is uh, Patrick, the podfather, Flaherty. Today is Thursday, the 3rd of November, 20 and 22. It's uh, just after noon as we record this postseason edition of uh, of the Speakeasy. You know, I don't know how much you've been watching, Bailey, but it's been quite a tournament. It has been. I've been watching not tons, but a fair amount, and it has been really interesting. Um you know, it's it's come down to the two top seeds, uh, LAFC and Philadelphia, in the final MLS Cup final uh, in LA at Bank of California Stadium. That's Bank with a C. If, if you're if you're writing it down, that's Saturday, 4 p.m. Fox, Univision, and TUDN. Do they call that Tudin? I don't know. It's, I actually wondered that the other day. Well, we'll call it Tudin. That's Fox, Univision, and Tudin Saturday, Saturday 4 p.m. LAFC versus Philadelphia, the two number one seeds from West and East. And that comes at the end of, uh, well, this will be the fourth round here uh, of a tournament that, uh, you know, on on the West side, um, the seeds held true. In the East, there was only one upset, if you could call it that. And it, it was a mild one. The defending champions, uh, New York City FC, lost in the second round to... I'm sorry, they beat Montreal, the two seed, two, three to one in the second round. Uh, but most of the games, there's been a couple, three shootouts in there. Most of the games are of the one goal variety. Um, and there were some, uh, some, you know, out West, the, the Western Conference semifinals were El Trafico and the Battle of Texas with, with uh, Austin and, and Dallas. And of course, uh, um, LAFC uh, beat down Austin in the semis to make it to the finals. Uh, just one other thing I'd add about it. Um, you know, both LA and Philly finished with, with 67 points. Um, Philly won, uh, Philly lost the tiebreaker on wins. They had 19 victories to LAFC's 21. Um, Philly also had 10 ties. Um, if they turned two of those into into W's, then uh, they win on differential by a lot. They, they, they would they would have won the supporter shield and would have had home field in, in the final. And uh, I think no, I, I actually don't think I know. I looked this up, but uh, uh, only seven of of twenty six supporter shield winners have uh, gone on to win the MLS Cup. Uh, among them, the two thousand eight crew. Uh, and then in 2009, the crew won the Supporter Shield and, of course, did not win the MLS Cup. Um, and the last team to win both was uh, Tim Bezbachenko's Toronto FC team in 2017. So, uh, you know, what is home field advantage in, in the final? Uh, I mean, we shall see. It, it, uh, it, uh, last year, it didn't matter. And uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, 
We'll see this year. Yeah, I think it would matter a lot more if it was Philadelphia being at home, given that they didn't lose at home all year with them going out to L.A. Yeah, just to imagine <laughs> Who knows? Just those, two, those ten, 10 draws, two of them had flipped because their goal differential was 46. Yes. And and uh, LAFC was plus 28. So, um, you know, it's a shame not to see Austin go through. You know, I, I know everyone in Columbus yeah, was very, very, very disappointed to yeah. see that, I'm sure. But but a great season by them. Uh, um but enough, but enough about them. Let's, um, you know, there's one other thing uh, that, that sort of stuck in my craw uh, as, as the tournament went on, and that is, and it's nothing new, but the calling of, of LAFC black and gold. And I get it, they're black and gold, um, but it's just, you just still never get away from when they tried to steal the team. Uh, uh you know, when Austin, when, when Precourt tried to steal the team and take it to Austin, and while that was still all up in the air, LA, LAFC and Nashville come online and one of them's black and gold and the other gets banana yellow uniforms. And then they, they try to just actually distribute with, with, with ownership uh, capitulation, they try to take the colors out of, out of here subsequent to save the crew. Uh, that stuff is, when I hear LAFC black and gold, it kind of, I don't know, it pisses me off. I'm, it's just uh just one of those things. Your list of those things grows every year. Yeah, I know. I guess I'm just a cranky. I just get crankier and crankier. Yeah, I think so. Patrick, do I get crankier and crankier? Okay. He's got two thumbs up down there at the end of the studio. We love you and your crankiness, but it does grow. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I've been picking Philly all season, and I'm going I'm to uh, stick with them. I'll take the coach and the goalie. Yeah, I was going to stick with them as well, so it's kind of boring. You, you like, you like Philly winning in L.A.? I like Philly winning in L.A. I do. I do. I, mean, I think the goalie is going to be the difference. I feel a little cursed. The last time we had a rookie crew B-Rider making predictions, it was uh, in April of 2019 when, when uh, Jacob predicted the crew was going to win the supporter shield. I think picking Philly to win MLS Cup two days before MLS Cup is a little more sane than that. Oh, I, I, I would I would agree with you. There's a big sanity upgrade here on the crew beat, let me tell you. Um, just kidding. It's all in good fun. Okay, crew news. Um, and we'll get to the coaching search in a minute. Uh, um, but we have to do the housework uh, first since uh, the last time we recorded, I believe, was October 12th. So it was. About, so. about three weeks ago. And uh, and that was just uh, after Caleb Porter was fired uh, um, or it was just after. It was just Caleb, after Caleb Porter was fired, right? And then a week later, they made their roster decisions. Right. We'll talk about those. That's what I wanted to get to. Here are the roster decisions. Will, will you take take us through those, Bailey? Absolutely. There's plenty to talk about with them, but just to give a little bit of a rundown of what they did beforehand. Let me ask you this very quickly first. Jump in here. I mean, he didn't have to announce his roster, his postseason roster decisions, uh, you know, when he did. He still had a few weeks. Correct. What, what was the reasoning there? Was it was it the coaching search? Yeah, I asked about it and he was a little bit vague. He kind of said, you know, in a normal year, the season would have ended later than it did. So that even if they hadn't made the playoffs, so they would have had less time anyway. Um, but definitely indicated that it was, yes, they wanted to make the decisions they felt confident about right away. 
and then be able to turn their full attention into the coaching search? Well, there were some decisions that were suspect, uh, expected and uh, some that came with a little bit of a jolt. Absolutely. And, and some that, that uh, might get reversed. Uh, Bailey, Correct. I'll, so let's I'll just, leave it to you here. Just as a quick refresher to run through the decisions they made, they picked up contract options on goalkeepers Evan Bush and Brady Scott, defenders Jonathan Mensa and Steven Marrera, and midfielders Darlington Nagby, Luis Diaz, and Isaiah Parente. They declined options on Jaleel Anibaba, Pedro Santos, Eric Hurtado, and James Igbekeme, who was on loan, and they are not going to buy at the end of that loan. And then Derek Etienne and Marlon Harrison are both out of contract. So the big surprise was them declining the option on Pedro Santos, who has been a part of this team for a long time and is beloved by the organization and the fans. Um, that was kind of the number one question people had for Tim Bezvachenko the day that we spoke with him about it. And he talked at length about the things Pedro did for the crew and how grateful they are for him being in the organization and the way he embraced everything they asked him to do. He just changed positions this past year to go to left back from playing on the wing because that's what they needed him to do. And he was quite good at it. He was one of the best left backs in the league this year. Um, I think he finished fifth in the whole league in tackles one, which for anybody who actually has watched Pedro Santos for a long time knows that that physical play is not always something you would say is his number one thing. A lot of it, he picks a lot of pockets. I mean, yeah. he's just he just anticipates well, and he's a, he's a good, smart defender, you know, sound. Absolutely. So that was a surprise. Um, him and Derek, I would say, were the two big ones. Derek was, they were both ultimately salary cap decisions as they're trying to have as much room to have some flexibility as they can with whoever the new coach is while still maintaining the core that they believe in. And they're really high on Will Sands coming in at left back to yeah. replace Pedro. So they didn't feel that continuing to pay Pedro in the TAM range was something they wanted to do at this point. Yeah. I mean, Sands needs the minutes now and deserves them. Absolutely. I mean, you have to see what you have with him. There's a lot of promise there. Uh, as far as Sanch goes, this does give him an opportunity to look around because he will get another contract. Absolutely. He will definitely get another contract. And as Bez kind of left open, there's a chance that both he or Derek or any of those players could come back once they have a coach in place later in the offseason, depending on what where things shake out. But I would certainly expect that both Sanch and Derek Etienne will have other contracts long before then. They will be high on people's lists when free agency opens in a little less than two weeks. Um, Derek, again, was a salary cap thing. He set career highs in goals and assists this year. He had nine goals, which was second on the team. And they were only paying him, I think, $175,000. So that is someone who's in line for a big, big, big raise that the crew aren't willing to give him necessarily. He said, uh, Bez said, you know, they're going to keep talking to Derek's agent and see where things go, but they're pretty far apart right now. Um, and they're looking to get more consistency at the winger position. And while Derek obviously was very, very good, he also could be inconsistent. So that's something that they're looking to try to upgrade if they can. Yeah. yeah. Maybe just, uh, you can come back on our terms if you want. Uh, yeah. He's going to go see what's out there as well. He's going to go see what's out there. He'll probably, I'm sure someone will pay him more than the crew want to, but sure. if he's still floating around out there, there's very much a chance that he could come back. Okay. The league, the league awards were, were, are all out, all are, are all out by now. And, uh, Hanny Mukhtar of Nashville to, Little surprise is the MVP. Comeback player of the year is uh, Gonzalo Higuain of, of Miami. Coach of the year, Jim Curtin of Philly. Perfect. Uh, defender of the year is uh, is, is Jakob Glesnes of Philadelphia. And goalkeeper of the year, obviously, Andre Blake. Um, easily the best keeper in the world. And uh, totally. there were times during these playoffs where it's like, he, he's a bad boy. Yeah, I think about that the New York City game in the semifinal where New York City took that lead and he made a save immediately Uh after. Otherwise, it would have been 2 nothing, And then, you know, it's not game over, but, you know, very much could have been. And then Philly comes right back and scores three unanswered. He looked like 
Trachiak on that one. It was, yeah. it was unbelievable. Young player of the year, uh, Jesus Ferreira of, of Dallas with 18 goals. Um, he's currently in camp with the MLS USMNT players in Frisco, Texas, as, as they prepare to fly to Qatar and, and uh, very soon. Um, and the young, the, I'm sorry, the, the uh, newcomer of the year, uh, Thiago Almada of, uh, of Atlanta. And uh, Cucho Hernandez, second. Second. And, you know, you look at the voting. and It's very interesting, the voting totals. Well, you know, it's also, yeah, well, let's look at the voting totals first before I get cranky. Um, you know, they do it. They do a vote of players, coaches, and media. And uh, it came down to the players voted Almada by a slight percentage. The uh, media voted Cucho Hernandez by a large percentage, and then the vote swung on on the club's vote, the technical staff's vote, uh, I guess. And uh, that was 19.1% for Almada and 6.4% for Cucho Hernandez. And, you know, the media was a flip of that. It was 10.6% Almada among the media and 21.1%. And so when I look at that, what I say, what what I think is, of all the ways the league has grown up and become a real soccer league, you know, <laughs> and it's had to grow up a lot, there are still these fault lines where you look at the voting and you go, well, where's the vote count? They just throw percentages up. So basically, I mean, Cucho got suspended late in the season for, I mean, he did tail off. He had eight goals in eight games and he finished with what, nine? He finished with nine, yeah. So I he mean, did definitely tail off down the stretch. That's, uh, I think that's, that's more than Almada had over the course of the whole season. But point here is that they just threw some numbers with percentage signs on the end of it and said Almada won and you have no idea. You have no idea. And it's also because they, they do it, you <laughs> they know, they, done anything, you they know? take the votes from, you know, people just vote. I did not have a ballot this year because I came into the league so late. Um, but I, my understanding is, you know, you can vote for any player in the league that you feel fits that criteria. So then you see the percentages and you note, oh, those don't add up to 100% because they just vote on a wide swath of players and then the top three in that voting are considered the finalists and they don't. there's not like a second vote on the finalists or anything. It would be interesting. I think that's how most leagues do it, but it would be interesting to see, you know, if they had just given those three finalists and then people voted again, how the voting totals might have been different. Um, I also just think it's interesting you see the percentages and you think... 6.4% of, was it 6, 6.4% of the that's clubs correct. voted for Cujo? The club's technical staff is what it's. So up. that's probably, that's, is that one? No, that's, that's just it's, something they made up so the yeah. guy could, could I think, win the award. I think it works out to two <laughs> of the, no, that's not right. Math is hard. Well, what do they mean by technical staffs? I mean. Uh, yeah, I don't, like, they probably leave it wide, I would guess. You know, some teams probably have, their coach wants I to vote. Some teams, their GM wants to vote. I don't know. That's your point. It's kind of a mystery. I, you know, I, I don't want to chirp too much about this it's just the process sucks uh number one and number two if if uh if cucho didn't hurt himself uh with the suspension for for homophobic slur uttered in a game yes. and um if if he didn't tail off in goal scoring which wasn't his fault i don't think it was no i don't think it was he was still creating i would say on the eye test the same number of chances and yeah, a, vehemently trying to get his teammates to do the things he needed them to do well it was the system's fault is the way i put it uh to put it succinctly and now they're trying to change the system so all right that's en- enough enough with that so um there was a report uh that uh uh on Halloween night, so uh, that Inter Miami is is 
is is definitely going to sign Lionel Messi. There was a report that they are close on that. Wouldn't that be something? Now, if they sign Messi, if I'm Bez, I know who I want to back up Cucho. I'm going right after Gonzalo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I can get him, I mean, I don't know. He loves it down there and stuff, and his brother's down there. He's, re- he's retiring, so. Oh, well, no. I'd get him out of retirement and, and his brother, you know, <laughs> let him back up uh, him Cucho back. and Zellerion, uh, so. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just throw that out there just just for fun. Anyway, Lionel Messi coming to MLS is 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 a big deal, even after all these years after Beckham. Um, these yeah, things it would are, be a it would be a massive massive deal. We'll see. You know. Okay, and there was a little crew news as well uh, this week, uh, Bailey. There was a little crew news on um, Alex. A nugget. A, a nugget of crew news. A little vague whisper of some crew news on um, Alex Matan, who's currently on loan to Rapid Bucharesti, I think is how you might say that, in his native Romania. He went on loan in the summer um, with a loan term through the end of this year. There was a first report on, uh, it's the third now, and the report was on the first, so that would have been Tuesday, um, that he was going to be coming back to the crew at the end of this at the end of the calendar year to join them for preseason training in January. And then yesterday, the president of Rapid Bucharesti said that they are negotiating to have his loan extend through the end of their league year, which would be through next summer. Um, That's in line with what the crew believed to be a possibility. I think they're having those conversations now. I would kind of not be surprised either way if they agree to that or don't. I know they are looking to get Matan back in the fold at some point, but leaving him over there through the summer is something I think they would be open to. Yeah, he was one of the guys I think you can throw Yaboa not to crack on these, but the, the perception is given their play, uh, Matan in particular, like where was he that um, mistake signings might be an overstatement, but uh they threw some money around there, and so far it, it hasn't paid off. Yeah, Matan is a little bit of an interesting situation since he's on the U22 initiative, so he doesn't count majorly against the salary budget. So bringing him back in you know, could be worth it. I know they're um, interested in his ability in the box to try to get them to create more in there because one of the things they're really focused on is they feel they took way too many shots from outside the box this year, so trying to get more plays inside the box, and they think Matan can help them do that. Um, so we'll see if he's back in January or if he's back in the summer. Either way, obviously I would not expect uh, Bucharesti to buy at the end of the loan. So it's just a question of if it gets extended by a few months or if he is back here in January. Okay. Is there, you had written a story at, at, now it's, uh, I think it's probably sometime in mid October about, uh, uh, prospects candidates yes. that could be on the, and that, that list is going to keep morphing, but, um, what can you tell us about? Uh, did we go? We, we you know, as I recall, we went over a few of them. We went over a few of them, but I you, hadn't written ex- the list yet. Yeah, actually, you, when we did this you last, you expanded so. the list and 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 began the the speculative ball rolling downhill here. I had, and I can kind of update bad, this on the bad. fly now, as we know that the crew are not deep into their process, but have defined their criteria and have begun interviewing candidates. So some of the people that I threw out on the initial list who are still with their World Cup teams and stuff, because that was presented originally as something they might be open to as the timeline stretched into mid-December to make a hire. So that left it open that maybe someone who you know gets dropped out in the group stage could be a candidate. Now that we know that they're into their interview process, I would say that's much less likely since it's early November. And it seems like their timeline has maybe accelerated a little bit. Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it sounded to me when I talked to Tim Bezbachenko uh, late last week that... Uh, or sometime last week that uh, they, it sounded like he didn't put it in these words, but he seemed to indicate that it would be the process could be wrapped up by Thanksgiving. Yeah, and originally their timeline was mid-December, so moved up by a couple of weeks. Um, but just to go through these candidates, 
that are still kind of in consideration. I would say, um, LA galaxy assistant, Jason Bent is definitely in consideration. This is all just my thought process, but I think someone Bez really emphasized when he spoke about what they're looking for, that they really want a coach who understands alignment from top to bottom. Cause he feels that that is a way the crew can find a competitive advantage. So understanding the role with the first team, with the second team, with the Academy and having the club work together as an overall structure and not integrated. Yes. In, yes. Integrated structure and not being disjointed. And Jason Bent, ran the TFC Academy. He coached Toronto FC two when Bez was there. He has now been an MLS assistant for the last four seasons. So someone that on paper checks a lot of the boxes has history with Bez. I think that's someone that, you know, certainly a lot of the external eyes have turned to to say could very much be a candidate. Um, we talked last time about Laurent Courtois being a candidate and Bez did confirm that they were going to talk to him. I know he's been leader was leading their training sessions that they had for a couple of weeks after the season ended and the players, said unanimously positive things about that experience. I got to watch one morning and it seemed like they were having a lot of fun out there. Definitely. There was a lightness to it. And I think that's what Laurent brings. Um, Love love the way he plays the game. Love the way he plays the game. I do think a knock against him is the fact that he's never coached at the senior team level at all. Um, So we'll see on that. Other candidates include um, Wilfred Nancy, the current coach of Montreal, which there was some discussion about around a week or so ago. And that might have been as much as anything, people just connecting the dots. Correct. There, there, was, there was some rumors or, and or reports of uh, a, a rift developing between Nancy, who has uh, an option year that can be picked up, uh, left on his contract, and, and, and Montreal. Um, and it had, had to do, presumably, with, uh, with players they're about to sell and what yeah, the constitution of the team is going to look like next thing. Now, uh, Bez is very careful uh, about Wilfred Nancy and like Robin Frazier, who's under contract with Colorado. Um, it, <laughs> he just want, he's not saying anything about those guys totally. because uh, the tampering charges where you don't want that rep in, in, in any league and uh, it's that's serious business. Exactly. But it, did, it started to, I heard a couple things about the crew maybe having reached out to his agent. Um, there was a report from Tom Bogart that the crew were interested, which like you said, I think is them just connecting the dots. But he did also add that um, the option year that had kind of been a mystery was automatically triggered by Montreal making the playoffs. Uh-huh. So then that created some additional sort of questioning that at that point it would mean that the crew, if they were talking to him, would have to get Montreal's permission. And if they did hire him, would have to compensate Montreal for that. Um, I'm sure they have to go. They're going through back channels there or whatever, whatever, I'm sure. Wh- whatever the sub rows of processes They're They're beneath the rows going through the process because he's, he's, he'd be an excellent candidate. He would be an excellent, excellent candidate. The crew. I mean, I think it is one of the best jobs that's going to come open in MLS. Right. We've talked it, about, we've that. talked about that, but you know, they believe really heavily in the core of their team, which kind of ties into the decisions that they made with their roster. They wanted to keep the, a lot of the key pieces in place because they believe in them. They're trying to open up some space for young players. They believe in like Will Sands, like Jason Russell Rowe to be that backup striker to Cucho Hernandez, maybe depending on the coach play alongside Cucho right, Hernandez right, if they're, they're going with a two striker situation. They're talking about that out loud. They are talking about that. Two out up loud. top, which is cool. It is cool. It would be cool. And who else is floating around out there in the world of speculation? Yeah. Like you mentioned, Robin Frazier, the coach at Colorado, um, again, something that they're not going to talk about out loud, but if he were looking to make a move with an MLS, the crew I think would be considered a step up as far as the facilities, the roster, the ownership support they have. Um, those are kind of the names that I have on my mind right now. Yeah, it might be an outlier, but uh, 
We'll see. I know it's a very involved process. Uh, and uh, uh, best to tell you, you can look up a column that I did on the subject uh, at uh, dispatch.com. Uh, click on sports, click on crew, and uh, you'll find all of Billy's excellent stuff and uh, and my my middling missives. Uh, and among among those are, are a piece I did on on the process that 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 they're yes. in right now. And uh, it's it's he described three distinct distinct stages. They're they're looking for uh, obviously they're looking for, they're they're vetting character. They're uh, looking at MLS uh, experience and or knowledge of the league. So uh, that was interestingly put by the general manager because the, 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 it, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have NBA uh, MLS experience. It means, it means you have to have uh, a working, a good working knowledge of the league. So uh, he called it a global search again, which is, which he's want to do. And things are, always changing out there on the, on the globe uh, with the search. And, and then he talked about the, the integration about how the next coach is, 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 uh, is going to have to understand how they're integrating everything from the Academy up through crew two into the big team and how, the coaches are going to be one big happy family in this process. Yeah, it almost hinted to me. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, Philadelphia has gotten so much praise for their model with the way they're so integrated, and right. also the way they have really applied very strict player profiles analytically and stuff when they're looking at players to get. And Bez mentioned that when he spoke to us last week as well. So it would be interesting to see if they are trying. It seems like they are, you know, seeing what Philadelphia has done so successfully, and certainly taking some cues from that as far as ways to strengthen their position in the league. A good way to put it. Well, um, anything else going on? We're, we're going to get to see some uh, World Cup stuff uh, probably next week. Um, I, this morning I spoke with, with Greg Berhalter, the, the coach of, uh, of the national team. Um, he's not as – I'll just say uh, he's not as worried about the injuries. Um, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of guys that have uh, pulls, strains uh, – uh, soft tissue things going on uh, in Europe, and uh, uh, he didn't sound as concerned about it as as uh, some some of some other USMNT watchers might be. So uh, good to hear. Well, yeah, he's so anyway. We'll we'll go over some of that stuff as as the uh, as as the US prepares to to head head to Qatar. Um, first game is on the twenty first. First game is on the 21st. Just really quickly wanted to throw in, since you mentioned earlier, um, the men's national team training they're doing in Frisco right now. Um, crew midfielder Aiden Morris is with the youth national team, also the training. Yeah, the U20 He's with team the U20 there. team. They're training there. He's with them. He is not eligible for the world championships or whatever they call it that's coming up, but he would be eligible for the 2024 Olympic team. So that's a the potential U23, thing that yeah. might happen one day. So just throwing that out there. Right. Good for him. Yeah, the U20s are there to give him teams to play scream it to scream it yeah so. so Aiden's down there and could potentially in a year and a half or so play at the Olympics which would be pretty cool yeah he's a good player he's a good player he's a good player and the U.S. needs Aiden Morris in the Olympics to qualify please qualify it's been a it's been a little, a little while here folks anyway we'll talk to you again soon thanks for joining us for uh, Bailey Johnson Kyle is is uh, wrapped up in management meetings and which he he adores greatly and for Patrick Flaherty I'm Mike Ares uh, we'll talk again soon Patrick kick us out of here Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. 
listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.